Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Prince Podcast here on PodcastJuice.net. My name is Michael Dean, and boy, we got a round table today, so let's get things started. Joining me today, first off, is Mr. Big Sexy and Saxer. How are you? Ah, oh, man, great. Productive week in court. Got some things happening music-wise. Let's get this rolling. All right, and also joining us today is Mr. Ant Poo. How are you doing, sir? I'm a little sad. My uh, starfish and coffee t-shirt was bleached, but my what? podcast juice t-shirt is still looking dope on me. Oh, that's, that's what's up. Legacy, legacy, legacy. Uh, okay. Also joining us is Kanisa. Kanisa, how are you? Good afternoon, beautiful day or afternoon in Atlanta. Hello, everybody. All right. Down in the ATL. And we've got uh, a guest coming on today. Some of you may know him. Uh, big Prince fan. He's got a, definitely got a presence on Facebook, among other things. Mr. Rodney Fitzgerald, sir, how are you? Good afternoon. Good evening, everyone. It's great to be here. It's a pleasure. All right. And just to, to, to put this out here, I'm connected with Rodney out in Minneapolis during the uh, PRN alumni. Uh, it was good meeting you there, sir. All right. And we have a very special guest. Uh, is a young lady that some of you may have uh, heard about. She's inspired one of Prince's very iconic songs. Uh, the song is Little Red Corvette. Uh, so give us a round of applause virtually for Mei Ling. How are you doing, Mei Ling? <laughs> I'm fine. How are you? I heard how you was we, fine. How is everyone? Uh, everyone out there? We good. We, we heard you was fine. Good. <laughs> <laughs> she was fire back in the day. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, the song kind of said everything, didn't it? A little bit too much. <laughs> well, and, and let's just get right into it now. Uh, I know you have uh, a book coming out, and, and, I, and I know some of the connections, but some of the people may not. And uh, I wanted to, we wanted to talk about this today. Now, we don't want to give too much about the book coming up because you definitely want to save some of those great stories and things uh, for that. Right. But give us a background on Mei Ling, Prince, and Little Red Corvette. Let's start right there. Okay. Well, I actually am from St. Paul. I grew up there, born and raised, and I was in the same circles, at, you know, early, like with T.C. Ellis, you know, his his house was a couple blocks from our church and he taught me how to ride motorcycles. And I mean, I knew David since I was 12, I think. And so I was always kind of in the mix. And I said that because Sue Ann Carwell was his sister, his foster sister. So um, anyway, um, I actually met Prince in 1976 when I was 16. And you may have heard me talk about my friend Dini or Lady Virgo. Uh, one night sh- I had a car and she didn't. And she said, we got to go to this party. And I said, what party? What party? She said, there's a New Year's Eve party over in Bloom. I think it was in Bloomington, Minneapolis. And it was at a hotel. It wasn't at a club because somebody else said, well, she was in a club, but whatever. <laughs> um, and went to the party and sh- her whole purpose for taking me there was to meet Prince. Now, I was in love with this, my first love and um, I wasn't really interested in meeting anybody. But she said, you got to go meet Prince. You're both short. You would make a cute couple. <laughs> now, now, let me ask you this real quick. Wow. <laughs> was, he, was this this was he was just the match. local Prince. He wasn't like the recording star. Well, he had prince. his or, first album out. It was out. OK, it was out. Yeah, he had his first album. There was rumors and talk about, you know, this genius, you know, uh, kid and, and I had I really hadn't heard about him until she told me. Okay. You know, I met Michael Jackson when I was fourteen. You know, I went backstage to meet him, but I wasn't really like the groupie type. So I had heard things about Prince, but I didn't. I had never met him or anything. And she really, I believe, was the first person. And she said, "Girl, he's five two, and you're five two, and y'all would make a cute couple." And I said, "Okay." <laughs> And she really wanted me to take her because she wanted to go. I wasn't even supposed to be there. We had to sneak the car. I snuck my mother's mm-hmm. car. We literally mm-hmm. rolled it out of the driveway and went over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I met him and uh, she took me up to him. And he was, I think he was playing 
I can't remember if it was drums or keyboards because I saw him around town a lot playing in different clubs, but I can't remember what, I think he was playing, well, it could have been keyboards. One time I saw him playing drums though. But she introduced us um, during a break and he just gave me them big eyes, you know, and just kind of looked <laughs> at me and smiled and I looked at him and, you know, it was kind of innocent. And I was 16 and, you know, he waits until people turn 18 anyway. So he went out to mess with me. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> he was two years older than me, so. Wow. That's how we met. And then I, I used to see him around the lake at Lake Calhoun because I was a roller skater. And, you know, we had lakes every direction of our house. So, But in Minneapolis, that was the place to go. That was like where people would go and the boom boxes would come on and everybody would be out there in their cars. And, mm. you know, the pimps would be out there, the roller <laughs> skaters, the, everybody. <laughs> and uh, I had seen him and Andre walking around the lake quite a few times. And I had seen Andre around, too. Okay. Um, but that was 16. Now, let, then, let, let me let me mm-hmm. stop you for because I just want to put some things in the context. So this is what you said. This was what, what 79 or something like that. 76. 76. Now, so maybe he didn't have his album. Yeah, okay. I think he had already created it and he was shopping a deal because I don't okay. know. For some reason, when did he actually sign his deal? Was it 77. Uh, don't date me, but it, it could have been around that at that time. But but here's yeah. what I, here's what I wanted to ask you though, um, okay? Because you know you say you seen them. I, 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 I'm, this is for my players. Let me let me talk to my players right so you can get a good idea and okay. my peoples out there. Now back in the days, and this is not about me, but back in the days in Seattle at least, and this is probably in every neighborhood, every area, there was always. And excuse my language. But I'm gonna do like Moore said. There was always that fine moment. Oh God! Where you going, Michael? (laughs) (laughs) It was always, you know, there was that one uh, in our area. Was this girl named Paula? And every you said that if you said her name, it would ring out. A lot of people were like, "Oh, you know about Paula? Yeah, she bad man. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I know you're talking about." So I, I'm only I can only go by pictures. So you let me know. And I, I'm not trying to you know big yourself up, but you, Mailing, were a very beautiful young woman. At the, you know, you know what I mean. Oh, like thank you. You, 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 I imagine you was probably catching a lot of eyeballs. People was eyeballing back then. Like that's let's keep it one hundred. Yeah, you know, you know, fighting them off. Really, literally fighting them off. So you was was twelve years old. Yeah, you was you. So you was like that real, you know. uh, You was one of the bad ones out there. You and I'm gonna use your word. You said red bone. They was calling you red. Now back in oh god, they called me. Little red, uh, there, <laughs> there were names, you know, little red, red bone, and of course, mulatto, and all those other terms that I didn't like. And um, and, and back but, in those days, in, mm-hmm. the, in the community, you know, the light skin was eaten. Now that's it's not right, play and around. they called us red. They yeah. did call us red, so that could even be a hint to the name of the song. Okay. I mean, I feel differently about the song, but you know, again, I'll save that for the book, but. Yeah, I think that had something to do with it. So all, all I was saying is you was fine as hell back then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now go ahead and tell Thank your story. You. <laughs> I'm looking for that girl, by the way. I wish I could go back oh, and there. find her. <laughs> oh well. But so I so, did have one quick question, like because um, you mentioned that you synced up with Prince when he was really young, and as far as as his vibe, like everyone talks about how he's like a magical vortex of Prince. How much of that was around back then? Oh, it was there. He was a hot mess. He was. Uh, he had a, a lot of confidence um, with his music, but he had, you could tell that he was lacking confidence um, in the, with women, you know, with, he was shy. And um, the first time we met, well, the first, when we, how do I want to put this? Be careful how I word things because okay, when I was at the club, the Fox Trap, I've told everybody that this was two weeks after the Capri Theater, Mm. which I think is really interesting because you know the Capri Theater situation didn't go well for him, and I think he may, and I'm just this is my opinion, I think he may have been kind of down and you know pulling himself back together and whatever, you know, because initially he was going to go on tour and they held they held the tour up if you remember because they needed more practice time or whatever 
So I was at the Foxtrap dancing. This is when I was, this is in 79. So I was 18. Mm. And I was out on the floor, which I was a lot of times because I would dance by myself and, you know, I would be in dance contests and whatever. Um, And he, (laughs) he and Andre came in that night and I was with Lady Virgo. And um, he was just kind of looking at me and staring at me and I look at him, of course, he look away. That's his thing. And um, then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he just ran out there and started dancing with me. And there's a whole story behind it. It's hilarious. But that's kind of how, I don't know if he knew I was 18, <laughs> but that's how it went, you know. And he just went out on the dance floor and started dancing with me. And back then, he wasn't a very good dancer, I might add. I mean, I'm not giving him any shade, but... He just was all over the place. Think about American Bandstand. That's what I was dealing with. So sure. he was everywhere. And at the time, Freak was in, mm. the, you know, the dance Freak, mm-hmm. La Freak or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was very intimate dance that he was doing with me. And I didn't even really know him. So it was really funny. And um, he asked me for my number. And it all started right there and then. So, wow, this is the early Prince. You was out there dancing by yourself. So he was that. So you're trying to say he was that brother who just ran up on you, start freaking up on you. Well, the way I say it in the book, <laughs> and I'll give you this, is that when him and Andre walked in, it was like a Charlie Murphy skit. There was smoke and lights and everything. It was funny. It was just really funny. Um, but uh, the DJ was talking about them and playing some of the music. And I don't remember if it I'm pretty sure it was the first. Well, it was the first album. Yeah. He was playing some of the music from the first album. All right. But I don't know. Yeah. How, uh, so that's how we met. Okay. And I, so Officially, I you know, how we got together. All right. How long, uh, and, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want, if it's for the book, but how long did that sort of, um, you know, you first met to when, was there a point where you guys were dating or? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, buy the book, no? Move right along here. Uh, <laughs> let's just say she was too fast. Okay. Oh boy. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, well, I, I get it. That that brings us up to the to the to the song right. then. Yeah, we had an immediate attraction. Right. All right. Say that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, he was just a hot mess, and I was like, "Who is this dude? I have to know him." <laughs> He came for me. I mean, really, he came out there and he asked me for his number. But, you know, when I hesitated to give him my number and then I thought he's just, you know, he was just a mess. And I'm not saying that in a negative way either. He was just hard to figure out. Hmm. I didn't know if he was gay. I didn't know if he I'm serious. I mean, he he was sort of feminine. And I, I just said, well, I'm going to get to know him. I don't know what the deal is. So, you know. It was something about it that fascinated you, though. There was something about him, exactly. Yeah. And we had a lot of talks, and we had so much in common. We had so, so much in common, and you'll find about that, mm-hmm. all about that in the book. I mean, we had a spiritual connection throughout his life and my life, through the music. Wow. Okay. He was sending me messages through his music, no joke. And I was not, I was oblivious to most of it. Not all of it. Some of it was in my face. But I was oblivious to a lot of it because, you know, I left. So, um, so, and I know some of these answers. So I want to be very careful in terms of I know you want to leave these things for a book. But talk to us about Little Red Corvette because you have talked about this before. Uh, I have and other things. So can you share that story with us or just a yes, to- yes, I will, I will. Um, I left in eighty. I left Minnesota in eighty. I didn't tell anybody, including Prince, where I was going. Um, There were some really troublesome things going on in my life, and I had to leave. I left. And Prince was looking for me. He was asking about me. I found these, you know, um, and I'll leave that. But uh, I left. And um, in 85, I left and went to KU. University of Kansas and studied journalism there. And because um, I was at the University of Minnesota when we first met. So, um, I don't know how to say that. Okay, so I found out in 85. And I found out from a close friend of his. And I'm not going to reveal who that is. But it's T.C. Ellis is another person. So I found out 
by more than one person is what I'm saying to you. And um, I found out in 85 because that person was having a conversation with me and um, I knew about Sexy Dancer. I mean, I, I was Prince never told me about Sexy Dancer, but everybody back home told me, you know, Prince wrote Sexy Dancer about you. And I'm like, I don't know, did he? I don't know. But, you know, they used to call me Fancy Dancer back in the day. And so, um, I don't know, just a lot of people told me that were, you know, in his circle. And I thought, well, probably then. And now I know for sure because some other things came out. But back then, I really didn't. I really wasn't concerned. And so I met this person and they said, oh, by the way, did you know that Prince wrote Little Red Corvette about you? And I'm like, no. And I was trying to think of the lyrics at the time. <laughs> and I listened to the music and I listened to the to the lyrics, you know, because you, I was dancing to the beat like everybody else. It was mm-hmm. a great song. And I thought, oh, God, that's so cool. Why would he do that? You know, I felt like he I felt like it was mean. You know, he was retaliating. Um, there were things in there that I knew were the whole story was about things that we did. And but I had never listened to it with that more mature ear. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. Michael? And of course, the jockeys on the wall. Everybody knows. Well, a lot of people know now there were jockeys on my wall. And one of them just did an interview and told you guys, and that's Mike Hercules Weaver, who was a heavyweight champ. And um, so that was one of the clues for me, um, because he saw those jockeys on my wall when he went to my house. And um, let's slow it down, and because I'm slow. (laughs) Okay, slow it down. Bring me down. So, so if you can break down some of those lyrics, so. I don't have him in front of me, but um, well, just when I went start to the jock- place where her horses run free, okay. which was my house, mm-hmm. I saw all the jockeys that were there before me. And you mentioned this guy's name, Michael. He was a heavyweight fighter. Mike Hercules Weaver was a heavyweight champ. He had Ollie's title. Yeah, I remember um, From 80 to 80. 80 to 82, I think. There's a story, and I've already told it. And Mike and I, with Darren's story from Low Key, we did a we did a little you know uh, audio that is on my page. And Mike talks about meeting Prince, and I've never said that Prince and I were like you know one on one relationship. We, for lack of a better word, were kicking it. You know, <laughs> we had a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, okay. It wasn't like I went home to meet Mama and all that stuff. It wasn't like that. Um, but we had an intense, passionate relationship while it lasted. And um, so Mike Weaver was in town for, and you may know this big sexy, for a fight with Scott Ledoux, which was Minneapolis's great white hope at the time. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I was at university. I'm hearing feedback, so I don't know if you guys are hearing feedback. But I was at the University of Minnesota, and I was in this organization called United Action Organization. This guy named Bill Paul had started, actually, he was one of the first people to start uh, amateur women's boxing. Okay? So we had some of the first fights were in St. Paul, and we had the first female boxing commissioner her name was judy clammer and me being in pr and communications they wanted me to be in this organization to help them because they were trying to get sanctioned by the amateur athletic union in in las vegas and i've told all this before so i was like working two jobs a paper route (laughs) going to college and doing these organizations not really a paper route but you know what i mean so um (laughs) we're supposed to go to this event that Muhammad Ali is putting on. And we wanted the girls to weigh in to give them credibility because they were amateur boxers. So that's how this whole boxing thing with me started. I wasn't a boxing groupie or anything. And so I go there and I meet Mike Weaver. And the date is in November, uh, no, October something, November. I had to pull out my date book. But um, anyway, so we meet and Mike is like smitten with me and he talks about that. And his manager's like, no, you need to stay away from her. <laughs> this fight's about to happen in a week. And he wanted to take me out to eat. And I was like, well, you know, we'll do it after your fight is over, whatever. So anyway, long story short, Mike wins the fight. 
And that night he asked me to go to dinner and I did. And he said, what's going on in St. Paul or Minneapolis? And I said, well, there's an after party from some of the athletes at from the U. Because, of course, I was at the U. Trent Tucker and all those guys were at the U. And so they wanted me to bring Mike over there because they knew I knew him because, you know, they're athletes. So I took him to this house party. Now, I have never seen Prince at a house party in Minneapolis. I had friends and boyfriends in both sides, so I could go between uh, St. Paul and Minneapolis. Some guys over St. Paul really didn't go to Minneapolis, especially on the north side, because there was this, you know, this thing. And um, so I was there and we're leaving and it's cold. It's really cold that night. And the steps are slippery because it's a duplex. And it was on Elliott. I still have the address in my date book. And so as we're walking down the steps, Mike decides, now he's Hercules, right, to pick me up so I don't fall because the steps are really slick and I have on high heels. As we're walking down, who opens the freaking door? Prince and Andre Simone. It was like a Charlie Murphy moment, I swear to God. And so Mike looks up, Prince looks up, and he's like, oh, no, she is not with this guy. I could just see that on his face. And Michael and I were not dating. We were just friends. You know, I'm not saying he didn't want to date me, but we weren't. And as we were walking down the stairs, when we, him and Andre were walking up, he put me down. It was so awkward, you guys. It was so awkward. And so I said, Michael, Prince, this is Mike Hercules Weaver and Andre, and they shook hands, and that was it. And as we're walking down, we go outside, Mike said, who was that little dude? He looked at me like he wanted to kill me. Is that your boyfriend? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I had forgotten the story until Mike told me. This is, there's so much stuff I had forgotten. And uh, then later, uh, years later, his brothers are triplets, and Big Sexy, you may know them. And they're triplet, and they were boxers, and they were at a club. I don't know what the club was, Candy or something in L.A. And Prince was there, and they met him, and they said, hey, man, have you ever met my brother? And Prince told them, yeah, I met your brother. (laughs) (laughs) That was the jockey on the wall. That was one of them. There was a picture of Ali on the wall. Um, There was pictures of other people that I knew. You knew Ali? Yes, I did. Okay. So let me get this right. You walked into the party in St. Paul with, at the time, the heavyweight boxing champion <laughs> of the world. Well, at the time, he had just won the United States. I think he took Ledoux's title, which was the United States championship. Wow. So he was a number one contender. And it was a party in, in actually in Minneapolis. Oh, and um, like I said, I never saw Prince at any parties. And I would go because I went to school in Minneapolis at the U. And so I knew all these people. You know, Trent Tucker played for the Bulls. He played for the New York Knicks. Um, they were all in college back then. Um, what was that guy's name? Um, there was a bunch of them. Um, but anyway, so I was... There was like another athlete on the wall that was a Viking, but I was not into athletes, really. I wasn't because I was so little. I just really wasn't into the big bulky type. Hey. Um, I'm sorry, but back <laughs> then I was just little. I was like five, Pause. two and big as a minute. And um, so, you know, I, I'm not saying that in a negative light, but you know how some women are looking for athletes. That wasn't my thing. Um, you know, but years later, as Mike says, um, and then after Mike won, he was the number one contender and then he fought, um, Tate, right? Yes. Yes. Right. And he won. And so then he became the heavyweight champ of the world. And, um, here's a funny story and I've told this. Okay. So all of this happened, right? So Prince had been gone. I think he was out in LA recording some of the music from the second album, which, you know, there are songs on there about me. And um, so he had already done that. He was back, if, I, if, if my memory serves me right. Don't hold me to it because I have to go back and check my facts. But either way, the day after the fight, we were going to Las Vegas because our group, because we were going to say, try to get women's boxing sanctioned, the amateur level sanctioned. And they had made me the vice president of the International Women's Amateur Boxing Association that we had at the school. I mean, this is a huge deal. And I think really the, the history has been left. 
I have talked to the Boxing Association about it, and they have some of the records. We have all the records. We have everything. Um, but anyway, so I was leaving. So Mike said, oh, wow, I'm going to be at the Sugar Ray Leonard fight out there. So we can see each other. And I'm like, okay. You know, again, we were friends. So the next day, I go to Vegas with my group from the U, and we're we're just frantically writing, preparing stuff, trying to get sanctioned or some sort of credibility for these women boxers so that they could get breast protection, they could have referees. I mean, all this stuff. You know, it's kind of like a, it was between a civil rights thing, women's rights. It was a lot of stuff, reasons why I got involved. So Mike was there. And so Mike sees me and and we're done with our thing. And he says, you want to go see Sugar Ray Leonard and Benitez fight? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that was like the fight of the century. That and was a so, good fight. That was a good fight. So Mike decides, and I've told this story, that he wants to go. I said, I want to get a T-shirt that says Mike Weaver, you know, like something, and and promote you. Because, you know, I was promoting people from day one, right? That's what I do. That's my business. And so we go to get these, like, green sweatshirts is all they had. And um, on the front, it says, I had him put Mike Weaver. I didn't know on the back it said I'm his. So he decides... (laughs) He decides he's going to get a shirt with my name on it, Mei Ling, you know, this Chinese name. And on the back, it says, I'm hers. Mm. Now, I haven't even kissed this man. So we're sitting the third row or something like that at the fight. And we are being videotaped with these shirts on. So later, Mike tells Darren in the interview that he did it intentionally so he could claim me. Uh, And I'm like, what? Yeah, you got choked. So here, yeah, I got choked. So then what makes it even weirder is we take a picture. I don't know. Sugar was there. Sugar Ray was there and some other people. But he had left and there were three girls and me and Mike sitting down. And we took this photo and I have it. And I didn't never remember who the girls were. I thought one of them was Andre's sister. Well, it turns out they were all Andre's sister. Hmm. So think about that. Prince sees me with this guy walking down the stairs carrying me then he he sees he gets uh, andre's sisters get back because they're doing his clothes and working with him i'm sure and they say well we saw may ling with mike weaver and so i i didn't even find this out till years later but andre said those are all three of those girls are my sister sisters and so there's this iconic picture with me and mike He's wearing my shirt. I'm wearing his shirt and Andre's sisters. And I just think it's funny because I had no clue. (laughs) (laughs) No clue. And then Mike and I really didn't uh, start dating until I I went to L.A. with him for a couple of weeks. And no, a week or a weekend or something. And then we started dating. And then he eventually he asked me to marry him and asked me to go to the fight in Africa. And he talks about me. He says I broke his heart. But, you know, I was trying to get my education together. Mm. So that's yeah. what I did. Okay, heartbreaker. <clears throat> well, that's kind of a funny story. I don't know if you guys get it, but it was kind of funny because I'm sure he was thinking the wrong things at the whole time, you know. But yeah, I was mad about the song. I was really angry. I thought he, you know, was kind of dogging me out, and and I'm not saying I wasn't fast, um, but. What always bothers me about that song is it's so it's kind of chauvinistic because, you know, again, when women have more than one partner, it's one thing when men do, it's another thing. So, Mm. you know, that's the way it goes. But I had a lot of issues back then and things that I was dealing with that will come forward in the book. And um, I was sort of like Prince in the sense that I was kind of disconnected from love. So I'll leave at that. Um, can you, know, you? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. You, you know, it's interesting. You, you you said that you felt it was kind of chauvinistic, and you know, I'm I can't tell you how to feel, but I'm just curious. You know, you didn't take it as a badge of honor that maybe that all these men were chasing after you in the least bit. Um, no, and I don't want to go into that because it'll uh-huh. kind of reveal. Um. You know, and I'll just say this, and I hope people don't think I'm full of myself. Being pretty can be a curse, too. Mm. I love to have that curse. No, I mean, I mean, you know, when you have a lot of attention from men, older men, and you're young, things happen. 
Mm. You know, it, it's not always pretty. Wow. Understood. Understood. It's not always pretty. And so, um, yeah. Nah, I hear yeah. you. So, so, no, it was kind of like, I'll give you one example. And this is a true story. My sister will, will vouch for this. We would ride around, you know, we would ride our bicycles and I would ride my bicycle and I would walk around the lake and, and you know, we hot pants were in, right? Everybody was wearing them. Mm. Everybody. Well, one day I'm walking down the street with hot pants on and this guy runs up onto the pole and almost crashes into the pole. And seriously, it's a true story. And I was like, what? And and then he's screaming out the window after he rolled his car up on the pole. And I was like, wow, that's scary. You know, and so, you know, everybody that wore hot pants didn't have that. But when you have a certain kind of curvy Corvette body, then, you know, when you're a little girl, you really don't realize it. Do you know what I mean? When Talk you're about the, all that ass, right, yeah. right. When you're 12 or 13 years old, your mind is not prepared for that. True, man. So that's kind of how it you was. You had cats crashing into poles. Yeah, this dude did. I don't know who he was. I was running. I was like getting out of there. Threw it. What did he say? What did Tony M say? Threw it up in the air. It turned to sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, I'm stupid. About. I'm sorry, Maylene. <laughs> but uh, man, so Cass was thirsty back then too. Good lord. Um, when I was in uh, at from the research that I was doing with the book, um, I went back because I lived in Virginia for a year and rest in Virginia. My parents were going through a divorce, and so my mom sent me to live with my aunt there. And so I lived there, and I went to school at Herndon Intermediate High School. Herndon Intermediate. I guess it was an intermediate school, like a junior high. And I read some of these things that the boys said that they wrote, you know, digging through my library. And I'm like, these dudes were in eighth grade. They were saying, take care of that, that bottom. And then there were some that said, um, uh, keep it in, keep the engines uh, in shape. And one guy said, just know that you are the most beautiful girl I've ever met. And he signs it with his name is P something. And it freaked me out because it almost looked like Princess P. Mm. Um, and I'm going to put those in the book. They're real people, you know. And I thought about that. And I thought, dang. So hmm. they were always doing this even when I was just, well, how old are you when you're in the eighth grade? What, 13, 14? Yeah, right around there. Right, right. So the, from the time I was 12, there's a, a theme that runs through the book that I put in the beginning. And my grandfather, who was a Pentecostal preacher, and he was also a civil rights leader. He was the head of human rights for the city of St. Paul and one of the first good friends with Hubert Humphrey, uh, married to an Italian woman. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of interracial and things going on in our family. And there was a lot of uh, civil rights talk around the table. And, mm-hmm. uh, and he was a Pentecostal preacher. And so one day he pulled me aside. I think I was 12. And he said, you know, Mayling, you're a beautiful young girl and you're a magnet. Mm. Be careful who you attract. Hmm. Wow. Let me ask you this yeah. question. Uh, now, were your parents together during this time? Um, my parents were together. They got divorced when I was 14. Okay. What? Uh, um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know if I want to go into it. Uh, okay. Yeah. I was going to ask, and again, you don't have to answer. You say move it along. I mean, do, mm-hmm. you have a, do you maintain a relationship with your father during the time? Um. Yeah. 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 My father was in the Korean War. Oh, okay. okay. So, and he had four bronze stars. So you can figure out what oh, kind wow. of situation he went through. Got you. Right. So it kind of sounds like, and maybe we can tie this a little bit in today too, but, um, and this was back in the days, you know, and it sounded like there was a, a the heavy sort of sexualization, if that's the word, of, you know, of, of a young lady. And, you know, grown ass men, you know, sort of right. approaching you. Right. Like, how do you think it is today? Because now it's like, you know, the sex, sex and, and, and the women's bodies and all of that is so way out there in terms of how it's 
pushed and things like how do, how do you think it compares to today and what do you what would you say to young women today that may have these bodies that are attracting the attention of grown ass men oh gosh I don't even know where to start um How should I answer this? I I will say that my book and the reason, the whole reason I'm writing this book is because there are people who know me, who know my story and um, my challenges that have said, you have to tell your story because you can heal a lot of people. You can help a lot of young people. And um, it was hard to do that. And, And, you know, just because you wear hot pants doesn't mean somebody needs to try to do something to you or to try to uh, mistreat you or treat you like an object, a sexual object. You know, I really get upset when I hear people say, well, she shouldn't have been walking around with that dress on with that slit up the side. Well, that's perfectly someone's right. But you don't need to be, you know, um, looked at as a sex object because of that. But I, you know, it really didn't matter what I wore. I mean, I couldn't hide the assets. And so, you know, it was just one of those things that I constantly had to deal with. And as a matter of fact, and I will say this, I went to um, Flight Times Picnic um, one year. I think it was 91 or 92. And that's when I reconnected with Jerome because I hadn't seen him in a long time. And I was working with uh, Darren Story from the group Low Key. And he was signed with uh, Jimmy and Terry at the time. And I hadn't been back I hadn't seen them since probably the 80, 1980. And I went to the picnic and um, Karen White was there because um, I think Terry, she was pregnant, actually. And, um, you know, the whole crew, I think Crush, you know, the group from Loki. And I went to the picnic. And uh, um, so um, I see Jimmy and and Jimmy Jam and uh, sorry. I see Jimmy Jam and Terry and all them when I go in and I go, hey, Jimmy, do you remember me? And he said, Mayling, nobody ever forgets you. And, you know, I took it at the time. I was like, yeah, Um, there's a lyric that Prince says in one of his songs that he says that. He says, no one, no one. No one ever forgets you, least of all. I think it's called least. It says, no one ever forgets you, least of all, not me, or something like that. So, I'm sorry, you're hearing a little noise. My husband just came out. Um, but I forget. I lost my train of thought. Michael, bring me back. Oh, uh, we were talking. You were talking about the flight time picnic your husband yeah came so in, i went to the picnic the and, and i hadn't <laughs> seen jimmy jam and terry since gosh like i said 80 and and back in the day jimmy used to spin records i mean he was a dj and mm-hmm. it just goes way back but that's what he said to me and i said oh wow okay you remember me hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of like and i say that and i say it's kind of sad i think i said that to city pages when he asked me about my behind and prince wrote the lyrics and uh-huh. and i said yeah it's kind of sad that the only reason why they remembered me was because of my behind or because i was um you know dancing and right. all of those things but the guys you you guys are guys so you like you said you mm-hmm. always remember that girl mm-hmm. or that person who was out there and I, and i really like to dress too clothes were, were a big part of me part of my life and and so you know i don't know no it's it's a it's yeah. a it's a real thing you know and as a, as a man you know i i'll be honest like you know it's men you know we some of us i'll say some of us you know we see a a, a nice young lady or whatever age you are and she you know she's got things that are attractive to you yeah it's gonna jump out at you that's just right and some of us have been raised in uh, uh, with things where that type of stuff is you know heralded it oh man you see her ass or you see a titty you know or her hair you know what i mean so we come from a very objectified sort of situation that's not an excuse but it's just an honest thing to say that is i don't know if that's a weakness it's just some things that we wrestle with but at the same point kind of what i hear and you know i have a daughter and Mm-hmm. daughters you know so i'm cognizant that we have to be careful and, and women in our life that they're not just uh 
objects, sexual objects. That's all we see. And we don't understand. They're people just as we are. And, right. Uh, you know, to right. even who sort have of have feelings that. and who have emotions. And, exactly. and then you include that with, you know, broken family and right. the man in your life is not right. there to build you up, your dad. Mm-hmm. And then you get all of these men that are building you up and showing you love and you didn't get that love from your father and a lot of girls I mean I'm not the only girl that ever had that happen there's a lot of broken marriages so that can sort of facilitate things yeah. and open her up you know especially if she's a young girl whose grandfather is a Pentecostal preacher mm. and she's you know not really um, experienced in, I didn't live in the hood, you know, I lived in a suburb and, right. you know, all of those things, I wasn't street rock, street wise at the time. And so you, and, you get thrown yeah. in sort of this environment and you're not really up on a lot of game and understanding what some of these no, stuff. No, not really. You, right. No, I, I feel right. like, um, right. I was going to say something, kind of lost my tra- train of thought, but, uh, it's interesting hearing it from your perspective. Um, uh, because again, like I said, in today's world, somewhat it might be flipped a little bit, but there's always still that sort of objectification that we deal with. You know, low key, not so low key. You can see that in sort of princess music and stuff. But again, I think it's just right. like an organic, sort of natural place because that's what the environment was. You know, a lot of people, right. will, a lot of people will look at Purple Rain, the movie, and have issues with how women are mm-hmm. in seen in that movie rightfully so but i don't think their heart was in the wrong place but again it's just a reflection of wh- but don't get me wrong i'm not putting his music down no no, no I'm not I, I mean i i get where he was going with it and and he has said when in his early years you know things have changed he grew up but my point was that i heard those lyrics and i was like oh hell no Right. You know, why would he write that? And then, baby, you're moving too fast. You need to slow down. Da 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 da. Um, uh, she had a pocket full of horses, Trojans, and some of them used. Are you freaking kidding me? Mm. I was I was livid. If I would have seen Prince, I probably would have went for him. I was really angry. I mean, because people took that as this girl's running around. She's a hoe. And she's got a pocket full of used condoms, even though he didn't say condoms. Right. Okay. So for me, I was trying to figure out, I know I left and I know I didn't say goodbye. We were off and on. um, But why would he do that? Why would he say that about me? Retaliation? I, I really, I was really, really angry to the point where that was his biggest song. Okay. I told very few people. You know, people, there have been people that said, well, she ain't the real little record get vet because why wouldn't she tell everybody back then in the day? Why would you? I was trying to be a journalist. I was married. Mm-hmm. I had just gotten married in 83 and I had a baby a year later and I had a career, you know, and my husband was in a, a career and a respectable, and I wasn't trying to go out there and say, hey, look at me, I'm Little Red Corvette, the nasty girl from the song. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Is anybody hear me there? Oh, yeah, yeah, so that's why I didn't tell everybody. Now, people knew that knew me, um, but, you know, and I told some random people later, but it wasn't until 2003 or four when I decided that I was going to write a book about Minneapolis. And there have been people that said she waited till Prince died and she came out and tried to write a book. Why didn't she do it when he was alive? Well, that is not true. And I have proof. I have a letter I wrote to his lawyer. I have T-shirts that I had on at Paisley Park. Prince knew I was writing a book. He told some of his band members, well, don't talk to her. Why? Because I didn't sign a confidentiality agreement. Mm. And I knew things. Okay, but I'm not that kind of person. I'm a positive person. So my book was going to be about all of the people involved in the Minneapolis sound. And it was going to be a tribute really to him. And I was going to tell the stories about, you know, who what are these people doing with their lives now? You know, perfect example, T.C. Ellis. 
TCL is, has a school, a charter school for kids. Mm-hmm. And it facilitates, you know, the whole thing, his musical experience and everything. And there's other people that have done things that were positive. That's what I was doing. Um, things happened in our relationship that I blamed Prince for. And I later found out he had nothing to do with it. And um, so, you know, that's that's the bad part of this whole story, I guess, is that I didn't found, find out until later that he wasn't responsible for something that happened that really kind of changed our relationship because I don't know what it could have been like. You know, who knows? Talk, talk to us if you can. Can you share like that um, when you went to the you went to a Prince concert later on? Right. So in 2003, um, uh, I started getting the book stuff together. Actually, it probably was even before that because I was in grad school and I was getting my master's in communications in two, from 2000. I graduated in 2001. Wait, something like that from grad school. So um, I had started like in my grad project. I have a whole synopsis on there about the book. So that's why I know I was thinking about it. And then I interviewed like 50 people, including Chaka Khan, um, some of the band members, Matt Fink, all these people back then for this book. Mm-hmm. I told some of these people I was a little Red Corvette back then. Okay. So um, in 2004, so 2003, right? So I, okay, 2004, this is really crazy, but um, you remember the promo for Little Red Corvette that came out that said um, uh, it was like a radio thing and they switched it and it was the promo for the actual concert and it, it it played musicology and then it had the radio thing where they're switching the channels Yeah, and it switched and it was Little Red Corvette and I want to say Kiss and I'm not sure if it was Sexy Dancer but it was Kiss, Little Red Corvette and maybe, I don't remember the other one when I heard that I felt that Prince was sending me a message. Now, I know people are going to think this chick is crazy, but I really did. And I I have read since that maybe some fans or somebody had picked these songs to go in there. But when I heard uh, Little Red Corvette, I felt like it's time for me to go see Prince. Okay, now people don't believe this either. I never went to a concert. After I left Minnesota, I didn't go to any Prince concerts. None. Part of that was because I had this, you know, thing that was going on with me and him that I was unresolved. And um, I tried to go to one night alone, but I had kids and some came up and I can't remember. And we, I didn't go. Um, and then I lived in Maryland. I lived in Kansas City. I lived in Oklahoma. And, um, you know, so anyway, I, I, I said, I'm going to join the fan club. So I joined the fan club. And of course, I saw Prince on TV performing and all these things, you know, and I would hear the song in the elevator at a store shopping. And it's it's weird when you hear songs about yourself when you're at TJ Maxx. I mean, you know, it's just crazy. But anyway, I went to the website. I bought the ticket and um, the tickets and they didn't tell you until the day of, you know, where your ticket was. So the day of and I think it was April 6th. 2004 in Oklahoma City and um, we had front row center seats front row center seats I was like oh no so I decided I was going to make a sign and people laugh and go she carried some big old sign no I printed a piece of paper from my copy machine I made a sign that said Prince remember me I'm mailing stone from St. Paul and I had two of them. One was red and one was blue and red or something. So I put them in my husband's suit pocket. I had, I had them in his pocket or somewhere. And then when we got to the concert, I held it up when Prince came out. And I'm, of course, 5'2". And so my husband takes it and he holds it up higher. And Prince sees it. And the look on his face is, I have pictures, you know, in the video. And he sees it and he he. He's stunned. There's one part that's not in there and the one part where he actually puts his finger to his head, excuse me, and he goes, let me see. 
you know, like, can I remember you? And he's blushing really bad. And these girls behind us are trying to snatch the sign from my husband, who's 6'2". And they were like, who is that girl? What does it say? And he notices. And then he goes off and comes back later. And then he he gets, I don't know if, he, he has this look of, and then he gets down on one knee kind of and points at me. And then he's singing a song, um, shh. And he shreds the guitar. He, I say he was running around the stage like a little rooster. It was so cute. And, you know, he points to me and says, this is for you. And then he shreds the guitar. And it was very emotional. And that was the first time that he played Little Red Corvette when I was there. Mm. But he couldn't look at me. So he put his back to me. And my memory is he turned around one time. And he said something when he turned around. But, of course, that film is missing. They can't find it at Paisley. And he got very emotional. So, you know, whatever. It is what it is. So, you know, there was not a dry eye in the house, including me. It was a very emotional song. It was acoustic. Wow. And so, you know, he came to the front of the stage where I was and he sang some words from some other songs, which I'll say for the book, where my husband said, whoa, what was that? And so I think he even gave me some other information because that's how Prince does things, you know. And um, uh, I was just I was actually writing. Uh, I'm, I'm a journalist, so I was writing about that concert and I wrote about it for two papers, one in the Kansas City Globe and one for the paper in, in Oklahoma here, a smaller paper than the Oklahoma. And I, I wrote for the Oklahoma for six years, but I was writing for the Edmund Sun and um, I wrote the story about, you know, how we he was a fan. But, you know, um, I didn't mention that I dated him because it wasn't professional. You know, back then to say that, you know, I don't know. I just didn't do it. I didn't say that we dated. I said I was a friend and um, it was interesting. And he asked me, they pulled me up on stage to dance, but then he ran from me. He wouldn't dance with me. (laughs) And I asked a friend why. And he said, well, because he was on mic and he knows you, you know, tell him what you would have said. True. But I danced up there on stage, and um, I say in the article, wow, now I know what it feels like to be Prince. Mm. You know, all the people screaming your name, and it was the, it was really an overwhelming feeling, you know. And I've been on stage, I've done things, I've had a radio show, I've had TV. But to be there and to know this guy when he was, you know, just a baby, we were babies. And what he was trying to do and to see what he did, it was very, it was emotional. I can imagine. Um, before we wrap up, I want to make sure any of you guys and ladies and gentlemen have any questions you want to get off? No questions? All right. Well, damn. <laughs> no. what? Silence? What? <laughs> I have one. Um, okay. I'm just curious. What is your opinion on, you know, because I know when people hear this, you know, there's a very vocal and dedicated Prince Hardcore fan base that's going to hear this and say, oh, hell no. She don't know what she's talking about. I heard that Prince <laughs> was sleeping in an Edsel, Lisa's Edsel, when he wrote Little Red Corvette. So she lied. She lied. She just tried to come mm-hmm. up. Right. I'm just curious. That story well, has been you know urban legend for a while now what are your opinions on that and you know how do you hey you know all i can tell you is that he could have been dreaming about me in the in her car he could have been (laughs) dreaming about us but prince in his own words said in neil carlin's article in his home that he wrote all of 1999 in this corner of the house Mm. he said that in neil carlin's article who wrote for rolling stone magazine he said, I wrote all of 1999 in this corner right here. Now, could he have been dreaming up the song in the car? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean it wasn't inspired by our relationship. All I can tell you is when someone tells you that you're like a limousine, you do not forget that. 
We <laughs> do not forget that. Among other things he has told me in our relationship, you do not forget that. So I immediately knew, you know, from some of the things that were said, it's a very graphic song, if you guys haven't heard. And then at the end of the song, he says, I don't know if you've heard it, but it's in the long version. And I didn't hear it until recently. My sister brought it to my attention. Uh, and it says, um, you do things to me that keep me in an invariable sweat. I want to do things to you so you will never forget. He's mad. And then he goes, Mayday, Mayday. Well, my nickname was May. Mm, you're talking oh. about the 12-inch version, the long version, yeah. Right. He says, Mayday, Mayday. So I don't know, but I know about the limousine because he told me that. And there's some other things in there where he's talking about, um, maybe have you got enough gas? There's a situation in that that's not even related to, well, it's, it's going to be in the book. Oh. I mean, the whole thing <laughs> is about some of our relationships. And... Um, I mean, I'm not going to fight with people if they think it's about vanity, but, you know, that's whatever. You know, I know who it's about. I interviewed vanity. Mm. I asked her, did she have jockeys on her wall? And she didn't know what a jockey was. And it's on tape. Okay, so I'm not I love vanity. I had a great conversation with her like two hours, but. The Little Red Corvette is about a girl from his hometown. When he was a vulnerable person, by the time he was doing Purple Rain and all that other stuff, he was not that same prince. He was very sure of himself, and he had women coming out of everywhere. You know, so, you know, I don't know how to respond to what other people say. I can just tell you what I feel what I was told by people close to him. Uh, he told T.C. Ellis when they were making his his album. He told him. You know, he said, did you write Little Red Corvette about Mei Ling? And he said, yes. There now, you, you can take that up with T.C. There you go. You, got you know, receipts. he's known T.C. since before. He, he T.C. and Prince were babysat when they were little kids together by Prince's twin mother's twin sister who lived three doors down from T.C. Ellis. There are things that people don't know, mm-hmm. you know, and then there were jockeys. That was a clear clue. But again, for me personally, when someone tells you it's like a limousine, you don't forget. No one has ever told me that since. <laughs> And, you know, so I don't know. Vanity was a beautiful girl, and I I enjoyed our conversation. She could have inspired it as well. I don't know. But I can just tell you about the story itself. And again, you know, there is Mike Weaver. He's a jockey. So I don't know what to say about it. I can't defend it. I mean, if people want to believe what they want to believe, but, you know, there are things that I'm not telling you that are going to be in the book that will validated even more but okay. i'm not trying to prove it to anybody I hear you know, really i hear that um how how far along are you on the book i'm you know i'm really far um I, i'm it's just some kind of a perfectionist about things and i've been finding out more and more information and i'm so glad i took my time because people have come forward and given me information and I remembered stuff that I had forgotten. Mm. And, you know, I think the book is going, the book is about my life. Number one, it's the little red Corvette woman behind the song, which tells about this young girl who Prince met when she was 16. And then they dated when she was 18 and 19 and then she left. And then what happened after she left and why she left and what went on during that time and what makes up the um, possible feeling that Prince had of calling her fast, slow down, fast. You're going to run yourself into the ground. Um, He was on cue with that. I mean, he was. I was was walking really down a road of destruction and... um, 
and it didn't have anything to do with drugs or anything like that, but it was it was just something that was going on in my life and things that were happening to me personally um, that I was having a hard time dealing with. And so now when I look back and I and I see it and I mean, I think, gosh, you know, I have to write this story. And it's been very difficult because some things that happened to me were unheard of. And it's very difficult. Is, is it? it was hard, hard to write. <clears throat> uh, two questions, and we're going to wrap this up. One, am right. I am I hearing like there was some abuse type of thing? And I don't say that because I can speak from experience, but um, not from Prince. No, no, I'm not saying from Prince. No, I'm just saying. Anyway. Um, yeah. Well, okay. you don't got to go bull- into it. I, 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 there were lots of things, but I, I will say that my book will address bullying mm. and take it to another level. Um, it will, it will deal with the issues that were going on in the sixties and seventies and eighties with, um, busing. Okay. Yep. And, um, how light skinned black people Mm -hmm. at the time during the black power era Mm. were not always welcome. Mm. And, um, labels were put on me. Labels were put on him. He was bullied. I was bullied. And we had a lot of things in common that we talked about. And that's why, um, you know, that's why I think the book is really important. And I will say this, I need to add this, is that after we met again at the concert, um, my husband, uh, we didn't wait around and we went to the after party. Well, Prince didn't come for like probably two hours. So my husband was like, look, I got to go to work in the morning. You know, Prince is notorious. So I didn't get to see him. So I get a call a couple of weeks later from Jerome Benton. And Jerome said, hey, May, um, you should go to Paisley Park. You should co- you should come home. And I said, why? He said, we're opening. The time's going to open for Prince in June. You should come. And I said, yeah, I should come. So I went by myself. I drove to Minneapolis and I, I bought tickets for three after parties and I went to the concert and I did get a chance to talk to Prince. Hmm. Yep. I will hopefully we'll save that conversation for the book or maybe you don't. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, we had a chance to talk. Unfortunately, you know, it's something interesting to Michael. I realized I saw Prince for the first time again in 24 years in April. He died in April. Hmm. Is this book uh, this year or next year? It's probably going to be next year. Okay. Uh, my editors are already, we're supposed to start doing the editing um, in the, at the end of September. Um, I'm already starting to gather things to give them. Um, I think it's really good for me to write about what was going on in Minneapolis. And because I have an inside of the civil rights era too, and my grandfather and all that was going on, I'm tying those things together. And showing people what it was really like to live there, especially as as a person who was mixed. You know, my grandmother was Italian. Mm-hmm. My grandfather was black. My great grandfather was Norwegian on my dad's side. I mean, so I'm just like Obama. You know, I'm just a mutt. I just have all this stuff going on. So it was really hard for me. I was raised black. We had a black church. But... Um, you know, I dealt with a lot of issues. Like I would try to put sponge curlers in my hair to have an afro. I would wear the red, black, and green wristbands. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I never thought of myself other than black. Um, but you know, I want to give people that feel of what it was like to live in Minneapolis, what it was like to go to the club, to go to the Fox Trap, to hear the music, what it was like to go to First Avenue when it wasn't First Avenue, um, what it was like to hang out at the lakes. Um, you know, the way over north. Um, just I really want to give people a feel from a woman's perspective, because all these other books have been written from a male's point of view. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I'm trying to do. So Prince is a part of the book and he's been a big part of my life. And of course, you know, he's written songs about me even more than I knew at first. So, I mean, after he passed away, there were others even early, like so, you know, it's really, it just blew me away. That's all I have to say about it. Because I never really knew that he felt, I mean, there were the things like, if you just watch the sign of the times, and he 
he adds Little Red Corvette in there. You saw that, right, Mike? And he sings a little verse or two of Little Red Corvette. And he goes, you're moving too fast. And then at the end, he goes, but could I be that love? Mm-hmm. We're going to end it right there because right. I know where you're going to go with that. I want you to save that. No, I'm not going nowhere. <laughs> I'm just saying that I was listening to the song with a whole different yeah. attitude when I was younger, and now I see it as something different. All right. Uh, Mei Ling, where can people find or get in contact with you online? Oh, you have, you're on Facebook, right? Yeah, I'm like, oh, crazy with Facebook. I have a Minneapolis Sound News Facebook account and then the Mailing Stone Pool and then a Mailing because that one's almost full now. So and then I have um, Instagram is uh, speak to Mimi speak and the number two and then Mimi. That's my nickname, my uh, niece and nephew. And then um, I'm on Twitter at Mailing S Pool without the dash in the middle. So, okay. All right. That's where I am. Well, I so appreciate it. We all appreciate you coming on and sharing with us. Uh, very uh, anxiously awaiting reading your memoir, your, your book here. Uh, you're going to add a lot of context, another layer to the Prince story in Minneapolis, which right. I think is cool. Uh, going around the room, Mr. Rodney, and you've been quiet, but we appreciate you uh, sitting in with us, sir. Where can people find you online? Uh, you get old friends for sale with the number four on Instagram, Rodney Fitzgerald on everything else, Facebook, Twitter. And um, I had questions, but I guess they're for the book. So she beat me to it. <laughs> All right. Mr. Ann Poo, where can they find you on? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ann Poo. Oh. Is your last name Poo? <laughs> <laughs> Or is am I am I hearing it right? It's yeah, a, yes, yes, you are. Is that's it P-O- another podcast. Is it P O O L E? That's a no, street P-O-O-H. name. Yeah. Okay. Um, my uh, my uh, niece gave me that nickname. Oh, okay. Um, I gave her a Winnie the Pooh Bear, and she said I was her Pooh Bear. Okay. Wow. Now, see, I was trying to give you some of that 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 South Central props. I was going to say he got jumped in, and he was an Aunt Pooh, but he had to go Disney. So yeah. It is. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, let me let me be the gangster. Okay. Got it. Right. <laughs> uh, also, Mr. Big Sexy and Sack, where can I find you, sir? I can be found at WSE Mark on Twitter and Mark Wiggins on Facebook. All right, and Kanisa, where can I find you? I am Darling Nisi on Tumblr and Twitter and have to do a quick pub for welcome to the dawn.net. That is an information portal for prints related things. So it's kind of like a card catalog. You can search by tag, whether it's a book or a commentary or different things like that. And that is at welcome number two, the dawn.net. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we thank you for listening. Shout out to all of our Patreon supporters. And if you can, please go to our Patreon page and sign up and help support the show. We've got some exclusive content over there. Also, check us out on Facebook. Just look up Podcast Juice and also on Twitter at Podcast Juice. My name is Michael Dean. Work it like a job. We'll see you next time. Peace. All righty. Thank you. Thank you.